for this episode, we would like to give a trigger warning um, for sexual assault and violence and also spiking. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lauren speaking from the Noisy Movement and Period Poverty U of E podcast for the 16 Days of Activism. Um, today, I'm joined by uh, Trudy from Reclaim the Streets in Edinburgh. Um, and she's here to talk about a little bit about what she does, what the organisation is, and the impact it has on women's safety and tackling issues of gender-based violence. I'm really excited to have you on, Trudy. Thank you so much for coming. Um, and yeah, I hope everyone gets something out of this episode and learns a little bit about Reclaim the Streets and the amazing work that is being done over there. So yeah, I'm going to pass on to Trudy to introduce herself. Um, yeah, hi, Trudy. Hi, um, thank you for having me. Uh, I feel very grateful to be here, to be speaking with you, Lauren. Um, So I am an active committee member of Reclaim the Streets Edinburgh and um, we were set up um, back in March of last year after the um, tragic death of Sarah Everard. I guess that just kind of pushed the dynamic towards um, exploring gender-based violence and we realised that, oh, we are actually very passionate about this and this needs to be talked about more. So that's how we got set up. Um, At the time I was actually um, uh, in very close contact with the lady who was organising the first vigil and that's how I happened to be involved and within the movement itself we have a small number of core committee members and there's just um, kind of flowing members that volunteer that you know make an impact here and there but we have we are quite a small movement and I don't have a specific role we just kind of collaborate and offer our skills individually and see what we can do out of that. Perfect, thank you. And um, for Reclaim the Streets, obviously it is a nationwide movement in itself. Um, So the Edinburgh branch is just one segment of that. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about what you do in Edinburgh and what your your main purpose is and how you engage with the community and also the wider nationwide movement? Um, so one of our main ethos is to call out for women's safety and to call out for the safety of all women in public spaces of Edinburgh and we tend to focus on the cultural impact as well as kind of um, small pop-up physical events to encourage the conversation because we believe that um, we need to source the root of the problem rather than making surface changes um, within women's safety because so we think that a lot of the the way people understand women's safety is that oh women need to do this to be more safe but what we tend to focus on is okay what is the root of this why does this happen and again we do this by um holding small pop events so for example back in september we held um a small event called claim it where we just chatted to people on the street about women's safety and what they know about it and wanted to engage them into the conversation and kind of understand better how they understand women's safety um yeah so that's great and do you feel like people in edinburgh are really receptive to that sort of conversation do you feel like it's it's active even when you know it's not mainstream it's not all over the news do you think Mm. that that's a conversation people still want to be having um i think it really depends on groups of people and the age um so for example younger people and mainly students um because social media has such a huge impact in their daily life and because activism is now considered quite trendy in social media i think a lot of young people are engaged and they do want to have that conversation and they do like to be challenged by that conversation and are willing to learn um but then obviously we have people who are older who maybe um 
don't think about those kind of issues anymore because they've they've either like numbed them out because like oh this happens so often we we don't we can't change it we can't think about this so i feel like the older a person gets the less likely they are to engage in that conversation because it is so rooted into how they're thinking that they feel like it's not it's irreversible um so again i think to a certain extent yes some people are willing to have the conversation but then on on the upside no not really so let's go back to Sarah Everard. Obviously, her death was the catalyst for talking about women's safety across the UK. And as you said, the catalyst for Reclaim the Streets in Edinburgh itself. Um, so discussion of gender-based violence became a huge trend and thing all over the internet. It was a discussion that everyone was having when mm-hmm. Sarah Everard was um, murdered. So what was the impact of social media, do you think? And was it good? Was it bad? Was it... Um, what sort of power did it have in raising awareness and altering people's perception about gender-based violence? Um, so I think uh, the term you use, catalyst, is very, very appropriate because I think it did, um, to a certain extent, wake everyone up uh, and everyone kind of started thinking about, okay, this is not just an extreme issue. This is a continuum that occurs um, throughout and for every woman and um, it's not something that should be, like, kind of overlooked. But I think... Um, lockdown had an extremely big impact on this because um, obviously each individual world of each individual person became very very small and I think because of that it was much more easy for people to kind of get disheartened about this issue because they thought okay I'm not just this is not just my world it's you know everyone and everyone's struggling um, so I think it was m- like a lot easier to pay attention to the bigger issue because there were not many distractions from your own life. So I guess like um, lockdown kind of alleviated that anger and alleviated that passion and people felt like, okay, we should do something about this. Um, and for our movement, um, we again realized that um, there's a passion within every woman because every woman has gone through that. Um, and I think, again, alleviated by lockdown, there was this kind of desire for connection. Um, and obviously connecting through pain and through struggle is challenging, but also can be very beneficial. So I think that's another thing that we kind of try to bring into our um, into our group is that we have this support network that we welcome everyone of every experience and we try to validate it. So. Great, thank you. Because, like you know, as you, there's a lot of debate around social media activism and the usefulness of it. But, like you said, in a time like lockdown, when everyone is very isolated, mm. that community does build up online. And yeah, great, thank you. Um, so during this period, the majority of the reposts were from women and minority groups. Um, what do you think that men's role was in that whole? Um, time period where, where where did they stand what was what was the um, conversation being carried by men and why was it only being led by women so i think um men often um struggle to um link certain bits of pieces of this together so for example um I think many men maybe saw Sarah Everard's death as an extreme case um, and then see like, I don't like using this word to describe sexual harassment, but minor sexual harassment like catcalling, for example, another thing. Um, And I think the failure to link those together is 
kind of the root of the issue because I think many men understand that like okay like what has happened to her Sarah Everard is horrible but surely like this only happens once in a while you know this is not something that every woman experiences and I think this is why um uh, not many men stood up for this and uh, not many men um kind of acknowledged that okay this is an ongoing issue that we need to address uh, another thing is that obviously many men experience um the privilege from the patriarchal society and when you benefit from a structure of a society and from a structure of the society's ethos and values you often don't think about its flaws and how it affects the marginalized groups and because men and many men often benefit from that and they thrive within the society um, because they do have the privilege um, then they just naturally tend not to think about the downsides of it because obviously it doesn't affect them um, and then I think why it was mainly women was because inversely then they were like okay this is a patriarchal society that we suffer and this is how we suffer and then the social media um, was like that pathway that um, kind of gave opportunity to vocalize it and there was this kind of um, I guess echo of relatability like this has happened to me too this has happened you know and then it was like oh, okay I'm not alone in this so I think while men um, try to get defensive about their role in this society with the with the kind of um, um, sh cloak of privilege that they have, um, women on the other hand um, realize that the privilege exists and how much it hurts them. And social media obviously helped to vocalize that and to find that relatability. So I think that's why those two i guess uh, women and women men and women and how they reacted separated um because the issue um was privileged and how each gender reacted to that yeah because men have a huge role in gender-based violence to play definitely you know, not, not just as perpetrators that's you know they, they have a responsibility as well yeah um, and there's also the the bro code um as well of how you know the good guys support their guys and you know if someone says something it's like oh this is fine like I won't um if someone does something like if the good guy I, I like um displays again the minor and I put that in quotation marks because I feel like that's a problematic term to use minor like um sexual harassment like catcalling the bro code then doesn't allow them to call out that because they're like I'm just supporting my friend you know this is fine we're just going to keep this you know this is just between us um, and I think that's also a very huge problem because I think men should understand that it is so important for them to stand up for that, like, mate, this is not cool. Like, don't say that. Because um, men tend to listen to other men more than they tend to listen to, like, women or marginalised groups, again, because of that privilege. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, so moving on to women's safety in general... Um, have you seen women's views on public safety change since Reclaim the Streets was founded? Um, obviously, recent spike in incidents have had a concern regarding women's safety. Has this been noticeable in your group? Has it been something that um, people have reached out to you asking for advice on how to tackle? And is it something that you guys are actively tackling as well? Um, so to address the first question, whether the views on women's safety have changed or not, I think... Um, Within the small groups that we've had a chance to collaborate or chat to, yes, I think the conversation is still being had and because we 
um, every once in a while hold these small pop-up events. People are like, oh yeah, there's them again talking about women's safety. And yes, even though that perspective is a bit, um, you know, like, oh, there's them again, they're annoying, but they're still aware that we are there and they're still aware that that's an issue. Um, and we are still engaged in our luggage tag method where we kind of hang luggage tags around um, the city to remind that, you know, we're reclaiming the streets, that streets still need to be reclaimed. So I think um, maybe on a larger scale, um, the awareness of women's safety is not yet growing maybe as fast as we may want to, but within the smaller groups and connections that we have made, definitely. And then to address um, the second question about um, um, the spiking incidents. Um, so this um, sparked a lot of discussion in our group. And there's been some people that we actually knew that were victims of this um, new spiking, um, I guess, method, which is horrible, um, asking for advice and asking for help. And we've also been asked to support Girls Night In and to um, publicize it within our um, social media platforms, um, which has been very beneficial because again, it kind of created this um, connection and the support network that we so, so um, want within our group. Um, but personally, um, I think it has, like personally for us as a group, it has sparked a lot of discussion because we have, um, within the core committee members, we have a huge age range. Um, so for some women within in our group, um, it's not as relevant anymore because they don't go out, they don't, you know, and it's something like, okay, this has happened, but maybe we just need to be hyper-vigilant and that's, that's enough. Um, um, some women... We're saying that, okay, um, rape alarms don't help, keys don't help, it's everything about, so they kind of, there's argument against the hypervigilance. Um, and then some women, there was this huge discussion between us is like, how useful was a girl's night in? Because that just reinforces that, oh, the only way we can protect ourselves is to stay at home. And it's like, well, th there's no point, it doesn't really prove anything. And we had huge discussions about this in our private Facebook group as well, where we talked to the members. Um, so I guess there's been loads of views from here and there. Um, what I think is that um, the Girls' Night In made such a huge point, though, because it's like, well, that's the only thing we can do to stay safe, is to stay at home and not go anywhere. And that's the point it has made, is that this is so scary that the only way we can protect ourselves is to stay safe and yet is to stay home. And that is like the scary part. That is horrible. Please change that. So I think that was the point of it. And that's how I tend to frame it as well. Um, but I'm actually not sure how it can be resolved or improved. I think to a certain extent it's down to the individual bars and clubs themselves and how they reinforce different security measures. But then again, this is like... Um, to what extent is it pinning it on the women? Like, protect yourself, you know, um, more lighting, more that, but would that actually do anything? So I think, again, this comes back to the root of the problem, how we just need to change that, how we think about that, and how we think about women's safety um, in the internalised way and in the, like, the way it's conditioned into us rather than making a physical change. Yeah, it's really interesting that you touch on the girls' night in there because there's obviously a lot of conversation about what clubs and bars can be doing to improve mm. women's safety, which is obviously such a huge, important issue. Obviously, clubs do have a responsibility yeah. to customers and to women. Um, but 
this level of violence is not isolated Definitely. to clubs you know like you you it, it goes further than that it's so deeply rooted and so systemic mm. that if it's not going to happen on clubs it's going to happen on playgrounds so, yeah, and it's exactly. going to happen in the streets and it's going to happen at house parties it's going to continue happening so what do we do do we just continue having nights in from all of mm. these all of these venues that we could possibly exactly. visit until so, it's over so there's like the systemic change that needs to happen but then again that's such a huge task and that is very very frustrating to think about because obviously you know all these small groups that we are it's like well we can only do so much um another thing that i was thinking about in terms of um the spiking and just sexual assault and harassment in general in bars and clubs is that a lot of it is um centered um to the audience no the visitors of the bar and club um but then what about people behind the bar like so a lot of um actually a lot of young women work behind the bar you know that's like a part-time job that's very common among my age group and among women in general and the amount of sexual harassment that they go through during their working hours is also appalling but that is almost normalized it's like um like even me and my friends we talk about it's like oh i would never want to work in a club because because of that and it's like and that's as far as we think Mm -hmm. and we don't think that like okay this is actually a problem um and then i think maybe one of the main reasons why certain bars or clubs don't want to address the spiking issue is that they would then have to address everything else that comes after that, so sexual harassment in the workplace and protection of workers' rights, which is another like big issue for them that they just don't want to address. So I think it's also important to think about um, not necessarily, well, obviously, um, the people who come in to enjoy the experience of a bar or club, but also the people behind the bar, because I feel like they really suffer also, and that's not talked about enough. And we've seen that with so many, um, you know, people coming out and saying that they were spiked by people behind the bar as well. Mm. And which is like, like you, no, it's all terrifying, but it's even more terrifying to think that you could do absolutely everything and be given a drink and yeah. it still automatically have something in it. And I think that's one of the scariest things is like you put your trust in people. And also when you're, you're in a workplace as a worker, you're putting your trust in other employees and that's and not always that's not, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so thank you for that nice discussion. We're moving on now to talk about Reclaim the Streets events. Um, what do you guys? What have you guys done since the beginning of the academic year? I know that it's not, it's not a university-based um, endeavor. So, yeah, the year. What have you done for yeah. the year? Because obviously, since post lockdown, um, and how successful have they been? What sort of reception have they had? So, e- even though we're not university-based, we do tend to focus on students also because I think it's very important that. Um, young girls especially um, are removed from that shame that comes with the experiences that they've had Um, so um, we have held a couple of silent vigils after Sarah Everard's death um, and we have held uh, quite a successful one actually um, back in I think it was June um, near Holyrood Park uh, where we again just encouraged the conversation encouraged people to make signs leave a sign it was near the innocent railway tunnel um, and we encouraged people to kind of discuss um, certain places of Edinburgh that they feel unsafe in and to raise awareness on that um, in September we had um, two small pop-up events in the Meadows area one was during Freshers Week and that was um, specifically focused on students so it was called Claim It so basically just you know claim the 
industry as you're kind of coming back into uni, as you're going through Freshers' Week, going out, and, you know, just to kind of um, encourage that you have the right to feel safe and this is not a privilege, it should be a right for you. Um, so, again, we kind of um, try to engage... Um, people of different ages, people of different genders um, into that conversation and that was quite successful. We had a very, um, very nourishing actually and supporting um, discussion evening. Um, I think it was mid-October called Join Us and it was just people who were like, interested in our group um, and we just gathered in a cafe and talked about why we're angry, why we're passionate, what uh, what is driving us here? Why do we sometimes feel numb? So every time there's um, a new case presented in the news of like a woman who's been assaulted, hurt or killed, like sometimes it's very easy to just, you know, erase that and think, oh, this is just another one. Um, so we touched on that because I think it was around the time that um, the tragedy of Sabina Nessa. Um, so we, yeah, we discussed an awful lot there, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily... Um, an action-based event it was just kind of to remind ourselves why we're doing this which was again um very supportive and inspired us to do more um during halloween we held a witch walk um which was centered around reclaiming the witch um and kind of um because there's a petition in the parliament um wanting to pardon all the women who were punished um under the witchcraft act of 1798 i think um and so we just held a walk to engage people and to educate people on that. And we had um, beautiful um, infographic resources made about um, witch trials in Scotland and specific like witches, I guess, that were punished. And our main message was to kind of explore the idea as to why do we punish the witches and not the people who punished Um so that's another interesting, interesting point because we've discovered that, okay, most of those women who were burned or tortured were actually just women who were a bit above um, what was expected of a woman. So they weren't pious, subservient little girls. They were women with their own views and their own views on independence and how they should practice it. And therefore they were like, um, obviously the, the, the people above them were like, okay, she's a witch, let's burn her. And that's totally wrong. So we kind of tried to... Um, have the discussion about that and that was quite um uh engaging because definitely i think there's because of the whole uh, rise of the interest in spirituality um in the media i feel like a lot of young people were very willing to have that conversation so um we were we thought that was kind of a good way to engage the students as well um and then we did a small call to action um event very recently actually um to reclaim the fishwives causeway uh for the woman who was assaulted in portobello um i think last week um so that was a very quiet um walk we did where we um chalked some slogans on the pavement we left some signs left some luggage tags just to show our solidarity in that way and we found that that is at the moment um as a small movement the best uh, the best way to approach um like activism on like a, a a larger scale because as we did that people would walk past and they'd notice and they'd ask questions and they'd be like oh can I write something down and that's a very good way to engage people because it's not intimidating like we're not asking them to have a conversation with us we're giving him giving them that space to and they can choose whether they want that or not 
Um, and then we're also taking part in 16 Days of Activism, which um, is mainly centered around um, um, history and kind of talking about um, the activists of the past and how that has inspired us. We're kind of taking um, that on an international level as well, so looking at different activists that move past the Western society because we feel like the way we talk about activism in the media nowadays is very, very West-centered. So we're trying to move past that. We're also talking about healthcare and period poverty and abortion rights. And then we also have a cultural um, pillar within within our 16 days where we either share poems or stories that we've written ourselves or we um, engage our members to send in some work they want to share. And that's, yeah, that's our plan for that. That all sounds really great. Um, I think one of the biggest things that Reclaim the Streets in Edinburgh does is, is offer a space. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what I feel is that in in all the politicalization of um, women's safety, which obviously is very, very necessary, sometimes women's voices do get lost, which is why these events are so important, because they're bringing women back together and saying, like, yeah, you know, you're not just a statistic statistic like the person who has just died is not just another woman she is she is an entire you know living being who had a life of her own and every single woman who is affected daily by gender-based violence has their own voice so it's yeah it's kind of like it's validating their experience and it's um not dehumanizing them because i feel like a lot of the way the way that any person who's been hurt the way they're displayed by the news or by the media is quite dehumanizing because it's either just a statistic just a name just someone that like you know that got hurt and it's like well no we need to have the space where it's validating where we are willing to listen to the experience and to um kind of reclaim that you know reclaim that it like yes i am a victim but i also have experienced this and this is important to me and how will that shape me i don't know but i want to talk about it and that's 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 one of our goals definitely absolutely invaluable work being done in the community um so what can we look forward to in the future from reclaim the streets in edinburgh um so we've realized that uh we are very much culturally centered in um, our events and how we run things um so a lot of the things that we do do have a cultural and art or some kind of um, creative aspect to it Mm, so I think after the 16 days of activism, we'd be looking into holding a craft event um, where we would invite people, who, anyone who's interested, and we would craft things together, uh, maybe do some um, bunting, make some stickers, any kind of, um, you know, um, any kind of creative work that people may wish to bring. Um, and by doing that, then obviously there'll be conversations about experience, about um again um what we've talked about just there a minute ago about like validating that experience and i think that will again create the support system um that people often look for um and then i don't know i don't know what next year will bring it really depends on um how many more people want to get involved with us because we do have really really big ambitions we'd like to do um um, some kind of walk um, that because I think Fanny Wright are very good at organizing um, very kind of um, not necessarily um, I would say not controversial but quite um, playful and creative and big walks that attract those people and we'd be definitely interested in doing that but again that all depends on how many more volunteers we can recruit 
Um, but I think one of our main goals right now is just to focus on the on creating that support system and forming those networks because we believe that having a relationship-based campaign group is so important because um, if we all um, if we have we, if we have loads of people in our committee but if everyone kind of doesn't know each other and don't know um, anything about anyone's life and they're kind of just have their own individual goals and maybe collaborate on a team project every once in a while that is okay but it's not necessarily validating in any way because that just feels like a chore whereas we want it to be um, a way of connecting a way of making a difference not only for others but for ourselves um, do you have any comments or advice for our listeners? What if somebody wants to get involved with Reclaim the Streets just before we finish? Um, so we have our um, private Facebook, Facebook group where um, obviously it's um, any kind of um, thought or any experience you'd like to share. And obviously you can post that anonymously if you'd like to, if you'd like to talk about that. We also have a Facebook group just for our events. So if you'd like to keep an eye and honestly, just to get in touch, just give us a message and um just say why and what you think you can offer or even if you want to, if you want to find out more about the, about our future events just um get in touch we also have a um an instagram which we're quite active on in terms of our creative and artsy projects so look out for that and yeah and for 16 days of activism obviously as i've mentioned we've been we're, we'll be looking for people to submit their own work and to submit something that um um, something that kind of raised questions or triggered some feelings and how they dealt with those feelings and maybe through artwork or through a poem or through a song or something like that. So we'll definitely be looking for that as well. So Facebook and Instagram um, is your main way to go. Lovely. Well, thank you so much, Trudy, for coming on. I think this has been a really helpful discussion and really constructive. And I hope our listeners really took something from um, this chat. And if you do want to get involved with Reclaim the Streets, make sure you get in touch because they're doing amazing work and the more, the merrier, basically, to get involved, isn't it? Thank you so much for having me. It's it been a pleasure. You. Okay, thank you, everyone, thank for you. listening and tune in for the next episode. Bye.